0: Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of my JavaScript story. This week we're talking to Paul Cowan. Paul, do you want to say hello?
1: Hello. Uh, Do you want to just remind people who you are, where you're from, what you do? Uh, So I'm uh, mainly a JavaScript developer. Uh, I'm based in uh, Glasgow in the UK, which is extremely cold at this time of year. (laughs) I I was previously on, Oh, the React Roundup. For I wrote a post about uh, yep. frustrations with React hooks, which seemed to strike a chord with many people.
0: Oh, but React hooks solve all of our problems,
1: don't they? They do. They do. You're just—it's not broken. You just haven't used used enough React hooks.
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we had a good conversation about that uh, React Roundup. Um, React Roundup episode eighty-eight. So, uh, if people want to go check that out, yeah, we we talked a bit about uh, React hooks, and yeah how it's not just a silver bullet for everything. When I'm building a new product, G2i is the company that I call to help me find a developer who can build it. G2i is a hiring platform run by engineers that matches you with React, React Native, GraphQL, and mobile developers that you can trust. Whether you are a new company building your first product or an established company that wants additional engineering help, G2i has the talent you need to accomplish your goals. Go to g2i.co to learn more about what G2i has to offer. In my experience, G2I has linked me up with experienced engineers that can fit my budget. And the G2I staff are friendly and easy to work with. They know how product development works and can help you find the perfect engineer for your stack. Go to g2i.co to learn more about G2I. This show, we kind of talk about people's backgrounds, right? So we'll dive into where, you know, where you came from, how you got into code, things like that. Um, and I'm curious. Just as we get going, um, how did you get into programming to start with?
1: So it's almost like I've had two lives. So I've had a, my pre-development life and my post-development periods just could not be any different. They are complete polar opposites. So I did not even have an email address until I was thirty. I had uh-huh. programmed at a really young age uh, in primary school or elementary school, uh, probably as you know it. Uh, there was a, a, a one of the first PCs, sort of home PCs, was called a. Dragon Thirty Two computer. and It was very limited what it can do, and there was very few games. And what games there were were very difficult to load uh, on the old cassette player. So I did actually learn to program, and I wrote my own adventure game, uh, and covered all this sort of Turing aspects. But and then I just left that. Didn't any interest. Didn't do it again until I was thirty. So I was an annoying kid, and I was sort of always in trouble. Uh, and <laughs> I, I got enough exams to be allowed back into sixth year, or I think it's 11th or 12th year, mm-hmm. so you don't automatically get back into the last two years of school, you have to pass me exams, but by this stage it had more than enough of me, uh, and they I wasn't a good influence on other kids, uh, and they didn't let me back in. So I made the stupid decision of moving to London when I, when I was 17, and uh, ended up in some pretty crazy situations. Uh, I went with a couple of friends, and. Being alone in a big metropolis like London at such a young age with no parents was, was absolutely insanity. When I look back, I, I could barely <laughs> I left a really secure life for a nutty, nutty one. It all came to a head when a friend and I had a double decker bus a on a motorbike uh, in Brixton High Street, in London. Oh, wow. uh, and I was living in a in a squat. We call them squats in the UK. they that's what they're called in the US. It's like it's a disused council house and In London, so I was living with crazy people in a a crazy place. And this was no real place to recover from a motorbike accident. I wasn't badly hurt, but I had a few bumps and grazes. So I went back to Belfast in Ireland, where I'm from. uh, And I'm sort of addicted to a sort of chaotic life. Uh, All manner of scrapes and bad situations. I was really heading into a very dark place. But but Hmm. my father died when I was 30 and I was left some money. I did something very out of character and that was to do something sensible. For probably the first time, I decided to change track and I did a course in London uh, that taught uh, Visual Basic 6 uh, forms and VB6 distributors or the AKA the sort of infamous COM components uh, and SQL Server. Uh, my, My goals were low. I honestly would have been happy with, Data entry, anything just was a massive climb up from my current questionable lifestyle. So I was really focused in the course and I devoured it and I, I knew it better. I really thought VB6 is really cool. And I still think, in some ways, we sort of have taken a step back by handcrafting all this HTML or Xamarin or whatever it, it really is. It still strikes me now. A bit crazy that we're, we're not, don't have something better than writing lots and lots of code to present our elements on a page. And Swift UI has sort of given me a bit of hope that maybe we can come to a better, we can actually evolve from writing tons of code like the old printers would, would uh, painfully lay out their typeface. So I, I got a first job and I was later, I really could not believe it that I was actually going to be a a computer programmer or a software developer, and I, I honestly thought I'd be working with egg-headed geniuses who were on a different astral level, but a few weeks into the job I remember, I remember thinking that these people really don't know all the answers and make a hell of a <laughs> sense. they're really not that concerned with quality, and it became apparent that the bar for the programming I was doing was pretty low. <laughs> I remember thinking that some of the painter and decorators I worked with were actually very clever, and some of the guys I work with now weren't very clever. Uh, I, I think a lot about my, my partner's a primary school teacher or elementary school teacher, mm-hmm. he works with some kids that don't get the breaks, and they never will get the breaks probably the way it sort of is, uh, it makes me sad, and then I, I work with some of the sort of posher people I work with now who did get the breaks, I think this really isn't quite fair. So. I moved a lot from city to city after i got many development jobs and sort of get mm-hmm. more and more accomplished. Uh, and I've ended up in Glasgow now and I'm with my partner for uh, 20 years. We're finally getting married after, after 20 years. And uh, oh, congrats. We've with, 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 with three kids. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm stuck here. So uh, I know that a combination of probably my Partner first, in case she's listening, and development second. They've definitely saved me from. I, don't, I honestly don't know where I would have ended up. Uh, I've I know where I am in the food chain, so I know I'm not going to be creating new uh, operating systems and uh, <laughs> or programming life. But I'm more than happy with where I've ended up and, and my competency. Uh, uh, I I'm, I'm, I can pick up things quite quick, uh, but yeah, but I'm more and more sort of. Deviated uh, towards the the front end uh, that that's definitely been a uh, really the the bit i but i like the best even for forty nine I sort of am one of the older front end developers i i i tend to work with
0: right i I don't know if I completely followed how you got into programming you know i mean you you kind of moved around a lot and you you did a whole bunch of different things, but yeah, what was it that brought you back into programming after so many years?
1: I, I was just really looking to get out of where I, of my my current lifestyle. I I, I just this couldn't go on. It was it, it, I was on the road to nowhere uh, basically. Uh-huh. So I needed of I, I wasn't uh, money. The the money I, I was currently earning certainly there was. I I needed something a better focus. Uh, but only because I don't know. It is very strange looking back that because I. I had made so many bad decisions that I actually made a good one, but, yeah, it was just the I knew because from when I was younger that, that I could program, so uh, I sort of thought that, if it, and there, there was uh, all the, the talk at the time, so this was would have been nineteen, uh, it was in 2000, yeah, so the, uh, there was a lot of talk about the skill shortage for programmers, like so it seemed like a good idea. It seemed to be a, when I could get in, I could get in fast as well. I I'd be able to fill some holes. Fast,
0: right so what made you get into web development versus mobile development oh, just, or
1: i think that's just the way the sort of cookies crumble i just think i was uh, where i was working so i started off with uh, a forms and then i started working on Com components and, and then the uh, the really cool architecture at the time was uh, we had a asp they had classic a classic as they called uh, ASP talking to COM components and then so I was I was working on COM components, so then I just right. jumped jumped in the front end as well. and uh yeah, that's that's what I really, really started to enjoy it. Like as you could it was good to get the uh sort of visual visual feedback straight away from web development so that you don't really get in, in any other sort of UI development.
0: Right. So you start getting into web development and yeah it sounds like you uh, started with uh, yeah database based forms and then you worked your way up so at what point did you realize okay you know this this javascript thing or this react thing this front end thing is is a thing that i want to do
1: oh yeah so so so, so the, really it was when ajax came out so that that was really sort of the, the game changer when you really were starting to be able to make i mean the, obviously before then javascript was a we are sprinkling over the top of a, mm-hmm. a web form to make things flash or some basic animations. But yeah, was, I was working on a website for a round-the-world yacht race called the Volvo Ocean Race. So I was, I was actually, I was in London uh, for my third time. Uh, and uh, that was a really, at the time, so Ajax was just out, and that was a really interactive uh, site. So uh, the, the Volvo Ocean Race has races from city to city. And the website would update with sort of it's not quite real time, but we would pull a server that would be updated with like real real time telemetry of where the old boats were, and the website right. would position the boats like. So there was lots of cool graphs and uh, yeah, oh really really heavy use of Ajax for the first time. Like so that was really really that was. Really exciting, and that was a great thing. And so, that, that was a game changer for me. That was a, and it, was, it was beautifully designed as well. So, it was a, a good company in London I worked for a time, like working with uh, really good designers. Uh, and everything was really well thought out. And after that, I, I was just totally hurt because, uh, yeah, it was the first time really. And jQuery was making the entrance there as well. Like, so, we, so, we could do things a bit faster, and things felt like I was getting like really quite productive. Uh, we weren't having to worry about all the whole Various edge cases for all different browsers,
0: et cetera. Yeah, jQuery did a lot in that way where it was, yeah, I was, oh, okay, I can just, I can do this in a way that I understand and I don't have to go and, yeah, deal with, oh, this thing doesn't behave the way I thought it should and, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And,
1: yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, the, the C- yeah, even to be able to uh, sort of get a set of uh, elements like by a CSS selector. I don't think I really understood CSS selectors until uh, jQuery. And just to be able to uh, select a number of elements and uh, cr- create many effects on many elements like, was really quite uh, really quite exciting at the time. It was all very de jure uh, jQuery time. Obviously, it's lost. Uh, it's, it's a de jure status now, but it was really... Mm-hmm really really does deserve its uh its place in the evolution of uh web development for, for, for what it brought. Yep.
0: Absolutely. So you get in there, you're doing uh, jQuery, jQuery simplifies things. Um what what did you kind of move on to next? Was it yeah. React yeah, or was it something else?
1: No, so I, I've really so I mean one sort of depressing things about my career is that you should realize just how many different ways you basically learned to do the same thing. So I went from jQuery then Backbone was sort of the new kid on the block. Yeah, so that was, that was uh, the the hotness for a while, and that was great. But it, it was again it was still writing, still writing a lot of code. It was uh, jQuery was still involved, but it, we were starting to more and more logic was starting to uh, go onto the client, and the the server really became more of you know, like a a dumber sort of JSON. Uh, json serving as opposed to serving HTML, XML for Flash and stuff like
0: that. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out.
1: So from from backbone and then I uh I encountered so that at Backbone and then there was The new kids on the block after Backbone were Ember and Angular. I got involved with Ember at the time, uh, and it was pretty, looking back, it was was not in a good state when version one of Ember came out. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was working on a really big CRM, uh, and we used Ember One and Ember Data. Uh, um, I remember just thinking that programming was suddenly really hard again. It was really difficult (laughs) to get anything out. There There were framework bugs uh, and just the whole model of Ember at that time. I, I it has to be better now because LinkedIn uses it and stuff like it. They put a lot of money into it. But at this time, which I can't think when that was, two thousand fifteen, no, two thousand thirteen, maybe it would have been. Uh, there was the model was everything wasn't observable, so uh, two-way data binding, and if you change, if you type a letter, and if you were. Not very careful, you could bind uh, a model to an input, uh, and this just led to all sorts of problems. I mean, you had observables picking off other observables, and you really couldn't keep a model of what was going on in your head. It really was I maybe mean, cliche, we say, easy to reason about. This was not easy to reason about, this was absolutely impossible to reason about. Uh, and I was really struggling with a project until I heard of Flux, and yeah. Blocks just instantly struck a bell that uh, you would push, you push actions to a higher level, to a store. That would then, uh, that would then mutate state, and then components would be listening for these state changes, and these components wouldn't know uh, about the whole application. They only needed to know about the properties or attributes that they were interested in to re-render when something changed. Uh, and this was a total coming to Damascus moment for me. Like, this just was, was groundbreaking. Suddenly, I could make sense of my application. Uh, there was clear separation of what done somewhere and just that whole one-way data push. So uh, I did write a uh, flux library for uh, Ember. Uh, and, and that was, I mean, I've just instantly hurt. some. I definitely knew at that point I didn't want to, work with ember because that really wasn't nobody they they did start they had a a meme called i think it was actions updated down or something like so they they did get the message eventually but uh, i I just knew then that probably react seemed to be the one Mm -hmm. Uh, and the whole declarative way of doing things seemed to it really is still to me is a thing of great beauty it'll always have a special place in my heart because it sort of saved me from uh and probably the application I was working on, on from just total insanity. I've, I've just not been able to sort of control the the code, whereas with this beautiful one-way data push for Flux, like I, I actually could. Uh, it, it's it's a really really nice way of doing things, uh, and couple them with React's virtual DOM, which again sounds crazy until you, uh, so even something you would think is just mm-hmm. to re-render or uh, of rebuild everything. You rebuild the virtual DOM every time and then do a diff to see what's changed. Like, so that was, I was sort of hooked in, so I still am sort of hooked in the, the React way of thinking now. Uh, so, yeah, so really, again, I've been, I've been through I've done Angular as well. I did, did, did Angular probably at like the start of the year. I wasn't totally taken with it. Uh, I think it's very it's very complicated. So, uh, they all have their merits, but but for me, right. I guess React just gels with the way I think and because uh, with re- re- flux and then Redux and and one of the hooks actually, after I wrote the post about frustrations with React hooks, I've I've actually grown, I've actually uh become a lot less frustrated with them. I I do I've been doing a lot of refactoring recently from old code to I will get. Able to remove a lot of Redux because with right. Redux, a lot of uh, a lot of state that wasn't global state would get pushed into the Redux store. Things like uh-huh. loading indicators, and you know, it became a bit of a bucket uh, for things that were not necessary. So there certainly are. Uh, you definitely need a global store of some description, but I think too much ended up with the Redux store. And now with with uh, React and hooks, we can have granular or granular control, and controls are uh, at the state level. Right.
0: So, I, I'm a little curious um, where you think things are gonna go from here
1: with React. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, nothing lasts forever. Um, you know, every empire rises and falls. So, right. it, 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 jQuery, uh, it does seem to have the same sort of longevity as jQuery. It's jQuery really lasted for a hell of a long time and is still in a lot of code bases right now, so I I'd give it that sort of longevity. At some point, there's always a point of inflection, I guess. Like, and things are becoming more complicated. Hooks are more complicated. You, you've got uh, suspense, which is mm-hmm. just about to be birthed. It's been in the offing for a long time. Like, yeah. So it has. That, they, these make things a hell of a lot more complicated, and it's. Harder to get off the ground for the for certainly newcomers, whereas with you, you can be up and running in no time. So, mm-hmm. you can't. so I think that maybe this might be the inflection point when uh, we have a combination of hooks. Which uh, part of my post was there? Just a hell of a lot of edge cases and a hell of a lot of things you're going to get wrong the first time, uh, and uh, suspense that might make this just a completely different beast that. Uh, is much more harder to get up to speed with, I would think
0: yeah, that makes sense. I'm also a little bit curious, so um coming into programming as a profession later, do you think that offered you certain advantages over um you know people who kind of just come in right out of high school or college
1: um what what's your perspective on that i, I, don't, I don't know from i guess for me uh i mean I, I don't think old which I no, I do get. Enough, enough respect. Okay, they're not not, not really valued as much as they should because it's all about experience. I mean, the whole point for me about development is—I mean, I I know a lot. I've I've burned myself enough times that I, Mm -hmm. in order to avoid the pain, you have to first of all feel it. I've, I've done a lot so I I know I just get stuff. I just get stuff done a lot quicker now. Even if it's a new language, it's a new framework. I have associations with previous frameworks to build. To build, so I, I do. There's a major regret for me that, that I didn't come into this earlier, so it was not. So I, I, I honestly can't think of many. I, I, I appreciate the work more. I think is one benefit. Is that I I know I've got a. So I didn't come from school, just straight into development. I've got right. something. Bad to come <laughs> bad to compare it against. That if it's ever that bad, it's really nowhere near as bad uh, as. I, mean, I used, to, used to be a painter and decorative. That's That's mm-hmm. a mind-numbing, boring job. So I mean, if ever I'm in a bad place, I can just say, "Well, I mean, it, could, <laughs> it could genuinely be worse." So okay I, mean, I get paid. I get paid more in half a day than I used to get paid in a week now. So that's, yeah. So that, that that's the only thing. I have a good reference of how bad it can be. But no, I. It's all about experience, and the more experience you have, the better you get at it. do because you you just know how to get things done quicker. And as uh, so like I said before, you're we're constantly learning new ways of doing the same thing. So you've just got all these uh, previous experiences of the new thing you're learning to convert to.
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely uh, that aspect of yeah, appreciating how nice things are now versus you know what they were. And uh, yeah, just the the life experience that you have that yeah, somebody who hasn't gone through what you've gone through um, has experienced. I'm also wondering a little bit, you know, when you got into programming, do you feel like do you feel like we have good on ramps for people?
1: Oh, again, the, the internet wasn't that Google wasn't even that old when I when I started programming. There were still a lot of books lying about, so this would have been again the year 2000. Like so, there were a lot more. Books, land, and big books. We're we're not just talking uh, a couple of hundred pages. We're talking big, massive reference books. So mm-hmm. there, there wasn't, uh, there just wasn't that much material. I mean, as a, as an outsider now who doesn't use the material, there seems to be a lot. There well, not even just for programming. There's just a lot about everything uh, online now. I mean, if you want, if you're prepared to put the effort in, I think you should be fine. Uh, I guess. Being able to judge what is good or what is good, good or not, I'm not sure. There's boot camps. It just seems to be all mad again. it's this is probably very easy for me to say, right? But it just seems to be so much. I, I don't think you'd, you'd be spoiled for choice almost than anything else. Um, I think more of the problems. You, you, developers are are often not mentored uh, very well. They're often just left to their own devices because mm-hmm. they have sprint goals to get. Uh, and I think that could definitely be done better, but there is fear, and it's genuine fear that maybe you train these people up and then they just leave. For, for oh, a better... I hear that a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, who we wouldn't like? You know, you, your loyalty does tend to crumble when the offer of a fatter paycheck, and I'm sure we'd all be guilty of that if it, if it makes our life more comfortable. Why wouldn't you? So it is tough. It is tough. So yeah, I think a lot of development is down to you. You know, it's not you generally. You know, If you want to, yeah, it's up. It really, you've you've got to keep your skills fresh. Mm -hmm. Whether you're permanent or don't expect anybody to do it for you, you just you have to be. Well, you you have to enjoy it. It'd be hard to keep your skills fresh if you didn't enjoy it. But I I love development, so it's it's not it's not a problem to learn new stuff. I'm constantly learning.
0: Yeah, I'm a little curious on that too. What do you do to to stay current on this stuff?
1: Uh, Open source. So I, I, yeah, I, I. I definitely, uh, if I if I come across a bug in something I'm working on, I, I do try and fix it. Uh, so open source is good. It's good, and it's also good because it's anything I do, I'd say work which involves a database tends to make my brain switch off. Uh, I like to try and the program I do, I'd say work. I like to t- try and make it different than what I would do in work. So open source is a good one. Uh, there's, there's a lot of good. Calas and stuff on time. I remember I was really hooked on the, the closure foreclosure site, which you could like have 150 problems or something, you, which gradually got got different. There's hacker rank and stuff like that. So those are going to give mm-hmm. you problems. So those are probably more important because, I say, the free, especially in JavaScript, frameworks come and die in, in no time at all. Like, and you can back the wrong horse uh, quite easily, uh, as I did with Ember in the early days. Uh, after the Ember contract, I, I found that there was, no Ember contracts in the, in the UK, so you're gonna learn, learn a lot of things in these CADAs that you wouldn't learn in your day job, uh, and that definitely will uh, make you a better developer more than learning just another way to render HTML. So right. yeah, hacker is good, well, I really enjoyed the foreclosure. It was good to uh, write some Lisp uh, and yeah, there was no database involved, so that, that was really, I was really, really quite hooked, hooked on that at one point. Uh, but open source—that—that's that's definitely a game. If you can find something to scratch your own edge, something that, that you're going to put the hours in, then that—that's a—that's a really good way of getting to getting to know new paradigms. And if you if you're trying to contribute to a, a repository, it might be some more from some very, some very, very, very skilled developers might be, and that uh, repository, So working with their code base can be very enlightening.
0: Right. Yeah. I... Now, when you say open source, are you talking about building open source or looking at open source? or uh,
1: Both, really. like So, I mean, I say if I do, uh, depending on the, the project, uh, obviously, if I find a bug, I generally try and fix it. So uh, that that will mean you do have to just suddenly get into a new code base to try and work out what's going on. Again, as you get older, especially uh, now, a lot of the, JavaScript frameworks like, have a lot of commonality. Uh, you get to know them better. But okay, you're learning a new code base, looking at new stuff, looking at new ways of doing things, and you will see things that uh, you've never seen before. So, right. yeah, if you, if you, yeah, if you, yeah, be a good citizen. That was the whole spirit of open source. And it's sort of the most communist thing I can think of is that uh, if, you, yeah, if we pitch in, it's, it's it's free. So, if you find something wrong, make the world a better place for somebody else.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's kind of the beauty of open sources. Yeah. You can go look at it. You can go read it. You can keep up on what's going on in it. You can contribute to it. And all of those help you level up and stay current. Yes. Are you building applications with Vue.js? Then you need to check out the Views on Vue podcast. Every week we bring in a guest panelist from the Vue community and talk about the interesting things being built with Vue or the changes coming in its ecosystem. You can find it all at viewsonvue.com. So what are you working on right now?
1: Uh, so I'm working on, so accessibility is something I'm very uh, keen on. I, I worked on a, a site in Scotland for those criminal record checks, and it had very, very, very stringent uh, requirements that had to go and get assessed for accessibility. And it was a React site, so I mean, we've introduced, uh, single page applications have introduced accessibility has never been easy. Uh, and single page ap- applications have done nothing to make it easier uh, and have conversely made it tw- made it a lot harder so I never actually realized that so you've got all these webs you've got to be accessible to a certain web standard but I really couldn't give a monkeys about any of that it's I've seen real users get i've seen real users try and use a site that I've created and it was pretty humbling to see how 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 much they struggled uh, and but that i mean this is not alone it's like
0: Right. Like,
1: and there's just every accessibility, everything I've worked on apart from this project has been like, a, you know, a week before go live, oh yeah, we better, let's make sure it's accessible. <laughs> yeah, let's just fix it all now. We'll, do, we'll just go through the site. How hard can it be? Uh, but we actually got this one sort of pretty, not, not, we, we started early and we got real users in to test it. Like, uh, it was definitely, it's opened my eyes to it a lot. So I've I haven't not made this public yet so I'm I'm, I'm going to wait but uh, so watch the space but I have started on uh, a number of uh, tools and uh, a, a component library uh, of the things I've learned. It's really a big code brain dump of the things I've learned working uh, recently with accessibility. So that's one thing. Uh, I'm also interested in a uh, big tests, So there's a company called Frontsider. Uh, it is open source, but they're sort of it's, it's their baby. And uh, you have uh-huh. a guy called Charles who's involved in microstates, so he's, he's spoken on JavaScript, Java. Yeah, Jabba. we've
0: had him on some of the shows.
1: Yeah, yep. And there's Taras, I know him, I can't remember, him from Ember, so I, I worked with Charles briefly, and I know Taras. And so I'm, I'm getting more involved in big tests. It's, again, uh, one thing I've seen a lot go wrong in the UK is end-to-end tests written in Selenium. I would love any part in the downfall of Selenium. Uh, I think it's a work of great evil. <laughs> of great evil, it's uh, <laughs> we have a new breed of programmer in, in the UK called the uh, Test Automation Engineer, and their job is to go in and just, uh, this is not their fault, but a lot of the projects I've worked on recently, the requirement is to have an end-to-end test with a, with every sort of bit of work, and by the end you get thousands of these, non-deterministic tests that are written in Selenium that break the build and then if you check uh run the build again they pass so they're non-deterministic. Right. Nobody ever stops the question is you write more of them because hey we need we need lots of end-to-end tests. And I think Selenium certainly well, I think it's it's being misused in other case like you should have a test pyramid of your end-to-end tests at the top very few, followed by integration tests and the bulk being uh unit test, but that message has got lost in the places I've worked where we just have thousands of these end-to-end tests. So if there's anything I can do to help then, or even well, end-to-end tests should work. We should not need to painstakingly manually test, rerun the same manual tests every time. So big test is, is the one I'd like to sort of, there's, there's Cypress, but Cypress isn't cross-browser and that's a big deal, I think. I think that's really a mistake for cross-browser. For uh, Cypress, because I, I like the, the way they've done it, that it's, uh, they're trying to evolve the, or trying to get round, making things, they're trying to make things synchronous, because uh, a lot of the problems with end-to-end tests, certainly written in SLEM anymore, you're, there, there's a latency where you're waiting for animations to finish, you're waiting for Ajax calls to, to finish, uh, it's only a matter of time before this timing is not quite right and then your test breaks, And so, under certain conditions and they're non-deterministic. So yeah, big test by front side. That that that's what uh that's one thing I'm very interested in and I want to get more involved in.
0: Cool. Yeah, I we need to get Charles and Taras back on and, and
1: Oh yeah. So a, you you're a Ruby guy. So you remember Capibara? Yeah. So the guy from Capibara is working on big test as well. Oh nice. So yeah, so there's this guy. So uh, that guy, Capabar is one of those. So they talk about an end that the the there's a term coming more and more into the vernacular in the UK, or in testing circles, and that is a Flake, and that is a non-deterministic test that it runs one time, it, you, you run the test again with the same set of inputs and it might break. Uh, there's, Microsoft just released one which claims of here, this is, well, Playwright or something? They released it on, it's very, very new, but the, they've mentioned flaky tests as well. So yeah, so that, that's, that's one to watch. It's still quite early days, but I like their ethos and, Again, that we need to take control of this because it, it would make it'll, it'll end up with more stable software uh, that's mm-hmm. easier to maintain. But unfortunately, end-end testing in my experience is just broken right now. So
0: it's, well, it's never been completely solid. Sure. And so yeah, you know, anything that we can do to make it easier. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean that's how people are going to use the systems we build right is from the front end and so if we can make sure that it works top to bottom like they're going to use it then yeah it becomes a different a different kind of deal
1: it does it does yeah it does it it just needs it's yeah it's also i think the fact that we write tests like with fixed set of inputs so i think that that can only go so far there's there's mutation testing and there's property best testing that i think that that is really that's that's what we'd really want to explore more because we're if you want to test every scenario at the minute you're having to write thousands i mean you've got cucumber tables and stuff but i think yeah the more looking into let the the, let the the program write the let write the inputs Let let, if you can define the say it's an input that only accepts uh, minus five to five then the program can write all those tests at one time for you you shouldn't be writing I don't know uh, ten different cases for for all the inputs that, if you can define the if you can define what the the boundaries are or the properties then the programs you will take care of that and taking that to a new level with uh, with a UI that you could maybe have something that could uh, yeah could explore your input try and generate a whole pile of bad input but at the minute I would fear for how that would end. Okay. I don't think it's going to end too well under the current circumstances, but yeah, that, that sort of thing needs exploring. Or even what I'd be really interested in is to be able to prove programmatically whether a test is is actually worth maintaining. Because certainly with these end-end Selenium so tests, I get into a lot of arguments with the testers that we should delete this test. It's it's not stable, or we should at least Right. Let them go, no, you can't do that. So I I would love to actually prove. Uh, apart from my good word against their good word, that this thing is just—it's not doing anything. It's not—it's not good in the base. That's a very difficult thing to prove, mind you, But uh, I think we need sort of feedback like this. Like we spent a lot of time writing these tests. Often, I mean, it's kind its not often not the most exciting thing to do, and so our passion isn't really in it. So if we could, we need the yeah, we need a lot of the uh, a lot to be not written by us and. We also, yeah, we need to know that what we're writing is actually good, but we don't get that feedback. At the minute. like, it's really all just down to the author. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, 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 and so we're, we're, it's almost, yeah, we're, it, it's not. There's not enough constraints uh, in testing right now. It's, it's still very wide west, and we just know we, we have like you have to have eighty percent, ninety percent code coverage, but it doesn't matter what it is. I've seen. Uh, devs cook the books to uh, pass it. Uh, <laughs> so have I. Yes, yeah, just a uh, snapshot test. I mean, it takes, it takes a sec. Now, I mean, I've seen these guys boast about 90% ninety percent uh, code coverage, but the tests were uh, absolutely useless. Yep. So, so, yeah, so there's a, a lot can be done. But something we're spending a lot of time uh, doing. Uh, and, yeah, also, yeah, I think... Type systems could do more. Like TypeScript, I think could do more. It, it, it doesn't have any runtime semantics, and I think it, it could stop us having to write more tests if, if we could push more. If, we could, if we're defining our models and types, then we should have constraints that could be picked up uh, at runtime as well. So, so we have to write less, less than the last unit tests. the I time, mean, it does become very tedious.
0: Yep, absolutely. It's interesting that that that's where you went. Oh, I want to contribute to this in this way. And uh, you know, and that's where you're spending your time. Um, a lot of people they just pick a problem that, you know, that's fun to work on instead of something where they actually see that the community has this need or struggle or whatever, right? And and so yeah, I I how do how do I put it? I'm I'm impressed that you're going, okay, this is a real problem, right?
1: I've seen it. So this is not. <laughs> I've, ups, I've I've spent more time looking at Jenkins stack traces, Is a big uh, Selenium stack trace. Oh yeah. Rather, rather, I mean the, the the ones I see are that you can't. Kind of, the, the UI thread of the browsers freezes because there's just so much text on the page. So I I've spent more. I've, I've seen two hour builds. Uh, so I, it's 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 pain. I've really felt. So yeah. <laughs> that's why like could do something about it because it's just so broken. It should it should be a good thing and it's a ter it's a yep. terrible thing.
0: Yeah. yep, absolutely. All right. Well if people want to connect with you online, where do they go?
1: Uh so uh, Twitter, yeah, my uh, my Twitter is D A G D A One. so that's a, I'm I'm Irish, so that's an Irish god. Dagda. one. So yeah, that's probably the best place. So nice. Uh, and I've got. A, oh, I've got. I've got a blog uh, again. You, you go to my Twitter account. I, I Twitter. I've got a blog, and I also blog for a company called LogRocket as well. Right? So, mm-hmm. uh, I get, my my stuff gets pushed there, so reasonably active.
0: Good deal. Yeah, I've talked to some folks over at LogRocket. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, do some picks.
1: So, I've had a blog post posted today by LogRocket called uh, "Act Now to Make Your React Website Accessible." So that's. Uh, that's, that's a big like brain dump of lots of the stuff uh I've learned uh over the last while uh, sort of <clears throat> about React about React and the how we can just do things like using semantic HTML uh over a big collection of divs that doesn't take a lot of time but that really makes it all the difference for a screen reader. So I'm quite pleased with that blog post. So that, that's the first one. I'd like to put I have already promoted big test by the front side so I'd like to promote that again. Uh, and then, lastly, but not leastly, uh, I'd say fitness because I, uh, over the years, I've had six boxing fights, which went pretty well. I had one MMA fight a few months ago, which didn't go so good. <laughs> uh, so, but I, I really can't imagine my life without the focus of training, like right? so, especially in our job where we sit on our backsides all day. Uh, it's hugely important. Yeah, I, I, I gain a lot from it. Uh, and when I don't do it, uh, I feel much worse for it. Like, and I say, I work with a lot of people who generally don't do anything at all. Uh, so yeah, I like move fitness is a huge trick. You can't feel, to feel better.
0: Awesome. I've got a couple of picks. Um, I think I'm just gonna shout out about some of the stuff that I have going on myself. The first things that I'm I'm looking for are, or that I'm working on, um, I have a series that I've been working on for a while called uh, 100 Days of View. Um, and I've just been uh live streaming uh, stuff that I'm building with Vue.js. So if you want to go check that out, you can. It's on YouTube. It's on the devchat.tv channel. Um, I need to update the playlist. But uh, yeah, so far I'm like 15 days in. And uh, it's it's been really fun to just, you know, kind of pick up a new technology and learn about it. Um, and so I'm enjoying that. And then um, I've had a few people ask me different things or give me feedback about what they're getting from the shows. And uh, a couple of them are that, you know, Hey, you know what you taught me really helped me get this job that I really love. Of course, I also have people come to me and say, I hate the job that I'm in. How do I get a new job? I wrote a book about that uh, last year and uh, you know, as far as how to find a job and now I'm going to be putting on a 12 week group coaching. So if you're, if you're thinking, okay, I want to get into a new job um, then you can sign up for that. Um, still working out the pricing, but you can find it at devchat.tv workshops. And then the other one that I'm working on is how to stay current. Um, so I have people ask me all the time, okay, you know, how do I stay current on all this stuff? And, uh, you know, so I kind of walk through, okay, you know, what, what do you need to be paying attention to? What can you safely ignore? What kinds of things should you be doing to stay current? Um, how do you make sure you're learning what you need to learn? Uh, how do you know when you've learned it? All that stuff. Um, yes, I am going to write another book um, on this particular topic. But in the meantime, I'm going to do a 12-week course on that. So if you're looking for that, um, you can go sign up for that. And then I'm also going to start a mastermind group. And so um, if you've read, what is it? Napoleon Hill, Think you Grow Rich. He Hi, talks friend. about a ma- mastermind groups. And what it is, is it's a bunch of people who get together and you all kind of benefit from everybody else's experience. So maybe somebody's gone through something that you haven't, but you're going through right now. And so they can offer their experience. Hey, when I went through this, it was like this. Um, So it's much more group collaborative. Um, My, my job in that one is basically to keep you on track and offer whatever help I can as part of the group, as opposed to, you know, actually teaching every time, like I will be on the group coaching. So yeah, definitely sign up for those. Um, And then I'm probably going to put together another 12 week deal on how to start a podcast because I get asked about that pretty frequently. So if you've thought about starting a podcast, you wanna know what's involved, um, you want some help getting it rolling, it will, we'll go through the whole process. So anyway, um, if you want more details on that, the best place is actually to go join the mailing list on devchat.tv. And uh, yeah, so we'll send emails out to that effect um, on there, but yeah, it'll also be at devchat.tv slash workshops. So yeah. All right, Paul. Well, thank you for coming and talking to me for the last 45 minutes. I really appreciate it.
1: Cheers. Been a pleasure.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully we'll get you back on and we'll talk about some more stuff later on.
1: Cool. to. All
0: right. Talk to you later.
1: Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Bye.
0: Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.